Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Deals and money. We are constantly seeking deals and money as real estate investors, and I bet you're having a challenge right now, especially with deals, if you're like most real estate investors, because it's tough to find deals right now. But here's the thing. There's a competitive advantage out there that when implemented, it will help you accomplish your objective of getting more deals and or getting more investors. And that is having a great follow-up system. Having a great follow-up is one of the keys to success in real estate and follow-up boss is the leading CRM for real estate. This is the system you need in place so you can reach out to owners and brokers directly for deals or you can follow up with your investors and you do it all in one spot. The CRM makes it 10 times faster to call and text owners then integrates those into a software so nothing slips through the cracks. The follow-up boss conversion system and powerful management tools help align your methods and drive growth that otherwise it could have been missed and probably would have been missed. Go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever to get a system in place. And if you need help, they got you covered. Followup Boss offers experts seven days a week. You can pick up the phone and speak to an actual human being anytime during business hours. Visit followupboss.com forward slash best ever to check out how much time you could save by streamlining your follow-up process. Best ever listeners, they're treating you extra special. You get an extended 30-day free trial twice the length of the normal trial for a limited time, go to followupboss.com forward slash best ever and perfect your follow-up. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. Are your goals and your aspirations more set around quality of life or having quantity, meaning money and numbers. Hello, best ever listeners, and welcome back to another episode of the Actively Passive Investing Show. I'm your host, Travis Watts, and today we have something a little bit unique. It's called an encore episode. The topic is, how much do you need to retire, and should you stop working when you retire. So it's come to my attention that a lot of our viewers and subscribers here are relatively new to the channel. So there was a lot of episodes we recorded in years past that haven't been heard. So instead of trying to recreate or repeat myself, we decided to do something a little bit different. And we did a bit of a mashup of a few different episodes that were recorded about two years ago. And I want to extract the 
answers to these questions from those episodes. I think they were well done. It's back when I had my co-host Theo Hicks with me. So the topic at hand has just been something that is very relevant today. I mean, in the last probably month or two, just working in investor relations, I've had a lot of calls with baby boomers retiring or looking to retire or recently retired. And a lot of people are asking questions like these and never giving financial advice. I'm not a financial planner, so please seek licensed advice. But there's some good key concepts to consider and think about. So we've addressed them here in this Encore episode. I'd love to hear from you guys too if this concept is something you like where we can extract some of the best bits and pieces of previous episodes to address maybe a new question or a a topic at hand. So like, subscribe, comment, reach out anytime if I can be a resource and enjoy today's episode. How to know when to retire, how much is enough? Now, before I let Travis describe it, I don't see many people asking this question. I don't see many blog posts covering this topic. And I think Travis did a really good job explaining what we need to do in order to, number one, just be aware of this concept in general. And then number two, what we should do to figure out when, if ever, we have reached the point of maybe we don't need to work as much or continue that ride. So I'll let Travis kind of take it away and then we'll kind of have our back and forth. In this blog, I use this story of a CEO of a tech startup company. It starts with kind of the tail end of this guy's career saying he just took his company public. He's got stocks that are going to vest over the next five years. Once they do, it will be estimated this guy will have about a $5 million payout. That kind of sounds like the ultimate American dream, right? But as we dig a little bit deeper, we get a little more into this story and we figure out that the way this journey started was this guy worked at a Fortune 500 company for the first decade of his working career, had a high salary, had some stock options there as well. So in those first 10 years, walked away with approximately $2 million in total investments, a paid off home, things like this and then launched his own company afterwards, went into business for himself. So he had actually previously sold a company. That was his second venture and out of the second decade of his life. And then here we're taking a look at the third. So the question really is, is as much as that looks like an amazing success story to a lot of folks, potentially, how much is enough? Okay, was it possibly enough when he had a couple million dollars in a paid off home? Could he have potentially retired in his 40s, maybe in his 50s? So now he's 60, looking at a couple kids in their 30s that he wishes he could have spent a lot more time with in his life. A lot of people get caught up in these success cycles, right? It's just one business to the next, to the next, to the next. I made one million, now I need to make two. I made two, I need four, I made four, I need eight. But where do you stop? Yeah, I was talking to someone, I can't remember what his name was. It was maybe two weeks ago on the podcast. He literally had an exit plan right when he started. He knew exactly how much money he wanted to get in real estate before he completely stepped away. And so let's say I know what enough is, then what? What do I do after that? Identify first what is important to you. What are the most meaningful things in your life? What does that look like? What brings you the most fulfillment? You got to write this stuff down. This can't be just done in your head one time. This is just setting goals for a lifetime. Then you have to reverse engineer now. So how much is that 
going to take. And I think what a lot of people find, myself included, is when you really nail this stuff down, you might find it's a lot less expensive than you might think. The problem is, in general, we don't stop to think about these things. We just think, I'm working now, I'm going to work till my 60s, whatever, and we don't give it much thought, and we just go on the treadmill. And then one day you're waking up in your 60s thinking maybe either, A, I have a few regrets. Maybe I could have actually pulled the plug back in my 40s or my 50s, spent more time with my kids, maybe traveled a little more, had less stress if nothing else. And the purpose is not to say quit working or retire in the traditional fashion, especially if we're talking about someone in their 40s. I think it's about finding what you're truly passionate about. I know some people's goals in real estate is to actively invest until they've built up a large enough nest egg that they can passively invest with someone else and then live off of that interest. Yeah, that's exactly it. That's my big message to the world too. Obviously, I'm a huge advocate for passive income and passive investing. That's my story. And the point is you and I, Theo, are very fortunate to have jobs and careers that we genuinely enjoy. We like to be creative and expressive. We both write blogs. We both do the podcasting stuff in various outlets. And that's amazing. But you also have to remember, most people aren't doing that. Most people are caught in the golden handcuffs, either a nine to five situation, or they've climbed this corporate ladder so high that they make a really nice salary. So they're kind of trapped. So until you start putting some of your income towards investments, whether it be passive investments or not, it's hard to branch away and have this balance that we're talking about, no matter what your approach is. But I think mm -hmm. we all need to get there. We all get there at one point or another, right? What's the average American retirement? Like 67 retirement age, I don't know, something like this. So you've got social security, you've got possibly a pension or your 401k. This is basically passive income at that point. You're not having to exchange your hours and your labor in exchange for money. So we're going to get there somehow at some point, hopefully. It's just a matter of if you focus on this stuff earlier in life, you can get there potentially a whole lot faster than perhaps your 60s or 70s. I was introduced to this video, came across it on YouTube. And unfortunately, this is on the fly right now. I can't remember what the guy's name is, but if you type in, I think, retire at 36 or something like that, retired at 36, there's this guy who had a passion for boats and sailing. That was really his life purpose. It was his hobby. He was a consultant, if I remember right, an IT type consultant, made really good money, worked full-time, grinded it out for up until 36, ended up just buying the sailboat and just living out on the boat and in the Caribbean. He quote unquote retired at 36. He's the one that introduced me to this concept of enough. He said, that's the hardest thing to do is pinpoint that number. This number would be enough for me and then take action when you hit it. Cause that's the scariest part is taking the leap and saying, God, I hope this is enough. I hope I'm right. But it was for him and this guy's who knows in his fifties now or something, but it's an amazing story. His alternative was just more and more and more and more money. But then that would have kept him longer and longer and longer away from sailing. And what if he had passed away or came with a debilitating disease or something. I mean, you never know, right? Life is short. So something to think about. When you're sitting there saying, all right, what's enough? Well, I want to have BMW and I want to have a million dollar mansion and I want this, which is obviously fine, but that's enough number is going to be way higher than if you're you just, just graduated from college and you're in an apartment. Like, I really just want like a three bedroom house and it'd be nice to have a car and to be able to go out to a restaurant once a week. 
Yeah, that's a great point. As far as the things like talking about a, a BMW or a 10 bedroom house or this, that, and the other, you really got to ask yourself, why are you doing that? Is it because you genuinely wholeheartedly love BMWs and you're passionate and you're a car fanatic, that's your hobby and interest? Or is it because you're keeping up with the Joneses or because you think, well, society expects this of me, right? I'm a dentist or a doctor or a realtor. I got to drive this really fancy car. What will people think of me if I don't? So you got to really understand this takes a lot of soul searching and looking deep. But at the end of the day, it's probably the latter in most cases for most people and nothing wrong with those vehicles. I've owned nice vehicles like we talked about before. I chose to buy them used, pre-owned, and I have owned luxury vehicles. So there's ways to go about it, but it's that you're doing it for yourself and not trying to impress other people. We'll get back to the show with the first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. What's holding you back from getting into apartment building deals? Is it knowledge, fear, inability to take action, lack of support? If it's any of these things, then I suggest you consider Deal Maker Mentoring with Michael Blanc. Michael's program is the most effective program to help you syndicate your first apartment building deal. During Deal Maker Mentoring, you'll work directly with one of Michael's experienced mentors who have successfully replaced their income with apartment buildings. They've already done what you want to do, which is become financially free. So in addition to providing their own syndication experience, They've been trained in Michael's unique deal maker blueprint designed to help you do your first deal and become financially free just like them in the next one to three years. To find out more, text the word Joe to 66866. I know Michael's going to get you to where you'd like to be. Again, text the word Joe to 66866. Do it right now while it's fresh on your mind and let's get you started with your own syndication business. I'd like to introduce you to my good friends over at PassiveInvesting.com, a private equity real estate firm based out of the Carolinas. PassiveInvesting.com makes it easy for you to start investing in real estate. They focus on acquiring institutional quality apartments and self-storage facilities with private accredited investor funds. They also have a real estate debt fund that offers hard money loans to local fix and flippers across the U.S., which currently has a 0% default rate. With a portfolio of over $700 million in assets and controlling over $250 million in equity, they know how to secure the best deals and how to avoid the red flags. If you are interested in learning more, please reach out directly to PassiveInvesting.com and request the free Passive Investing investor guide that outlines the seven red flags for passive apartment and self-storage investing. Visit PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags to download that PDF now. That's PassiveInvesting.com forward slash red flags. Okay, so you've gotten to the point of, let's say, early retirement or retirement in general. Does that have to mean that you don't work anymore? What happens when you retire early and you're in your 30s or 40s? Does that mean that it's time to go move into that retirement community and start playing pickleball. <laughs> I definitely fell into this early on, for sure. I think I'm slowly getting out of it. And your blog post definitely solidifies some of those things in my mind. So with that being said, let's go through it. The idea here is that we all have a lot of preconceived ideas about what retirement is, what that means. I think that we all want to be contributing in some form or fashion, successful individuals that are far beyond what they need financially to retire. Why is it that they keep quote unquote working? Well, it's because they have a mission. They have a purpose. That to me is really what financial independence is all about. It's having the option to work 
but not the obligation to work. Well, then maybe rather than just quitting and going into real estate full-time, try to figure out a way to transition into a job now that will help you reach your long-term goals. Yeah. And there's usually two types of people. There's those that love their career and they're passionate about it. And then there's those that really despise what they do. I was in the latter part of that initially. And then the passionate side later. But the point would be this, if nothing else, for either side of that, just get started. Again, to the whole theme of this blog about not having to quit work, it doesn't have to be so extreme like I work a W-2 job today and tomorrow I quit and go full-time real estate. Mm -hmm. Just start, just have a rental property, REITs on the stock market, you can get in with $10. Most people think of investing in terms of capital gains, in terms of equity, in terms of fix and flip a house, in terms of buy a stock at 10 and hope it goes to 15 and sell. That's how most people associate investing. But I flip that into passive income, cash flow specifically, living on cash flow and creating multiple income streams early in life to where you're actually putting yourself in the situation that statistically 60 and 70 year olds are in, in retirement. I'm passionate about helping people reach those levels so that they can do essentially their highest and best work. The other thing you said too, that I wanted to also mention, but what retirement actually means, is not just doing nothing? It's continuing to do something that you want to do. Again, you also gave some examples of things that you're doing now that anyone can really do now to start to figure out the type of life that they should be living once they retire. So do you want to talk about that too? Sure. So a lot of passive investors I've come to learn are just simply highly paid professionals doing whatever it is they do. And they're looking for a place to park capital that's not going to require their time. Think about being a dentist or a doctor and then taking two days off a week, Saturday, Sunday, and going and trying to fix and flip houses. You can't even day trade stocks. It's the weekend. So a lot of this active stuff just doesn't make sense for certain types of people. When a doctor, an attorney, or an engineer reaches financial independence, what they have is an option. An option two, and here's the three things I point out. An early retired doctor might set up a smaller practice which operates without the pressure of optimizing profits and without dealing with the hassle of insurance companies, one of the biggest headaches in the industry. An early retired attorney might refuse all cases that are based on questionable ethics. You have an option to say, I'm not going to do this work. I'm not going to take on stuff like that, right? You can be a lot more picky and choosy with what you do. And then the engineer might continue working, for example. They might contract instead of be a W-2. They might go to part-time instead of full-time, or they might be compelled to create a new software. So those are kind of just some things to think about mm -hmm. of what we're talking about. None of these folks in these examples stopped working, but they were able to move on to something that was more fulfilling and brought sure. more into their life. Yeah, and then another example, more real estate related too, right? If you are someone who wants to transition from active and retire from that and become a passive investor. I've talked to a few people recently who were full-time active real estate investors, and then they hired someone to oversee the company. And then I'm sure they took some time off, but then once they were ready to get started again, 
they started some sort of consulting program or mastermind group where they teach other people to replicate what they did. That's just another example. And then the other thing that I really liked about the blog post that you mentioned, the question you want to ask yourself to figure out what you should do once you retire is what you value. And you gave the example, we talked about this in a past episode, if you value stuff too much, then you're going to have a hard time reaching that number because you're going to have this luxurious lifestyle that's going to cost you a lot of money to maintain and you're going to need a higher passive income to cover that. You gave examples in here about things that were high costs but resulted in low happiness and the things that were lower in cost that resulted in higher happiness. So you talked about how you could upgrade to a Ferrari or a Lamborghini, but would that ultimately make you happier? Maybe once you buy it and then when you're driving it once a month or once a week or whatever, but it would bring you further away from your financial goals and then your family goals and your travel goals because of that reason that now I need to make that much more money and invest in that many more deals to cover that Ferrari cost. And so you gave other examples of things that resulted in happiness. So I'll let you talk about what those are. <laughs> when I was a kid, Theo, I remember when I first was learning about money and how much things cost. And I would see a Lamborghini or Ferrari and then ask or research how much those are and to think, (laughs) oh my gosh, that car is $200,000. I can't even, that's not even in my world. That's not in my reality. That's insane. And then as you progress through life and one day you've got a couple hundred grand and now you're thinking, I could really buy that car cash. And then you think, how dumb would that be? (laughs) How much happiness would that give me versus what if I invested it and I got 1200 bucks a month in cash flow? What could I do with 1200 bucks for the rest of my life? For most people, that's social security benefit right there, you know, 1200 a month or Mm -hmm. something crazy and maybe less. A couple of things that have added some tremendous value at a low cost where my wife and I, we went and we backpacked Europe for our honeymoon. And I bought the custom ordered shoes, like a forever sole, breathable, washable. They collapse down. You can roll them up. You can almost put them in your pocket. They're amazing. They were like a hundred bucks. And I can't even begin to tell you how much value that added, not only to that trip, but every vacation we take, I'm wearing them (laughs) and I love them and they don't wear down. They're just phenomenal. The other thing is my wife's got scoliosis, so her spine's like an S shape. So I bought her an inversion table. We're always trying to experiment with things that make her life easier and kind of eases the neck tension and the back pain. It's just a little table. You strap your feet in and turn upside down and it decompresses your spine. So I don't know how much they retail for, probably a couple hundred. And I can't tell you, man, every time she gets on it, she's so happy and it's so fulfilling and physically rewarding. This whole thing is about finding things that bring value and happiness into your life. And what we really value is travel and vacations and spending time with family and these little things, a nice pair of shoes that are (laughs) comfortable. So just to wrap it up, that's the whole point, I think. My dad, for example, he retired as a bus driver because he loves talking to people. And so every morning he, well, not now, but before COVID, every morning at 6 a.m., he'd go to the little the bus shop where the buses are and all the retired bus drivers are there and they just talk about whatever for two hours. He really enjoyed doing that. And so again, it could be something as simple as I like talking to people. So I'm going to do a part-time job where I'm doing something as simple as driving a bus or being a cashier where I get to hang out with people all the time. You just made me think of it. I know we're both Tim Ferriss fans, so I forget which book, 4-Hour Workweek or one of them, but he's sharing the story of the New Yorker 
business guy that goes down to Mexico on a fishing trip. And this guy takes him out on the boat for a few hours, comes back and he says, all right, thanks. That was great. It was amazing. Do you have more customers today? And he said, no, I only do the one trip a day and get some fish for my family and do this. He says, well, why don't you do more? Why don't you do like five trips a day? You got plenty of time to do it. And he's talking about, well, I like to come home, take a nap, visit with my wife, play with my kids in the evenings, have some tequila or whatever, and play music with my friends. And that's my life. And he's a New Yorker. Well, can you imagine though, what if you did more of these trips, made more money, you could buy two boats, then you could hire employees to run those boats, and then you could have a whole fleet of ships. And then when that gets successful, you bounce out of the business, then you could headquarter in the States, and then you could run this big operation, and then you could franchise it. And the guy keeps asking, and then what? And then what? And then what would I do? And then what would be after that? And he goes, and then you can retire and come down here and (laughs) have a quality of life and spend time with your family (laughs) and your friends. The guy already had all that. He already had the quality of life. That's one more example of having enough. That's a perfect story to end with. So is there anything else you want to mention before we sign off? I guess for anyone listening, just think about this question. Are your goals and your aspirations more set around quality of life or having quantity, meaning money and numbers? And I was guilty of this early on when I would set goals. It was always money goals, right? One of my first goals, I want to be a millionaire. I want to have 10,000 a month passive income. But when you dig a lot deeper, it's what do you really want out of life? How do you want to live your life? So that's really what the question is. We'll end the episode on that note as well. So thanks, Travis, again, for joining me for the Actively Passive Investing Show. Best ever listeners, as always, thank you for listening. Have a best ever day, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.